Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. It is Pentecost Sunday here in Australia. I know it's Saturday night for some of you, uh, but it's Sunday morning here, the 23rd of May, and it's 50 days after Easter, 50 days after what was the Feast of First Fruits in uh, the Old Testament, and that's to celebrate the very first of the barley harvest actually coming in. Uh, 50 days after that, on the day of Pentecost, which was a great celebration, it was one of seven feasts that Israel celebrated. They were required to attend these feasts. And it's 50 days after their Passover feast, which uh, celebrated Israel coming out of Egypt. And uh, the death angel, the destroying angel, passed over them. They came out of Egypt and and, uh, wandered for 40 years. It's another story. But uh, anyway, it's everything in in God's economy with numerics and everything is significant. I, I love to study the different numbers in the Bible, not just 666, but sevens and five, the number of grace. It's amazing stuff. And the disciples were promised by Jesus that he wasn't going to, he said, I'm going to go away. If I go away, it's better for you. And they'd be going, what? How, How could anything better than having God with us be? And I'd say that today, how, how, how could there be anything better than what they had when Jesus was walking the shores of Galilee. But he said this, he said, it's going to be better, not the same, not worse, better for you, because if I don't go away, the helper's not going to come. The helper? Who is the helper? The comforter. He's going to come, and, and, and then there was a prophecy that they, they would have remembered it, they would have memorized it, most of them, that Joel, the prophet Joel, had given that on that particular day, they were waiting for it. God's spirit was going to be poured out, poured out. Don't you love the, 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 the term poured out? It's not just trickled out, not just a little spattering. The, the spirit of God is going to be poured out upon all flesh. Your young men and your, your, your sons and daughters are going to see vision. Your old men are going to dream dreams. Upon that day, I'm going to pour out my spirit, even upon the handmaids, male, female, young and old. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Hello, all flesh. I'm a a human being, and I'm a candidate for the Holy Spirit of God. Better for you. And then in John 14, he talks about this. He says, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going away, but I'm going to the Father. And you're not going to be orphaned. You're not going to be on your own. Now, For 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to them. It says, with many signs and wonders, many different ways. For 40 days, he would just pop into their world. He walked through walls, show up, dinner time, eat a meal, then walk out through the wall. He showed up to doubting Thomas. Aren't you glad that God shows up even to doubters? Thomas goes, I don't believe it. Like, I won't believe it unless I put my fingers into the nail prints and my hand into his side. I, I, they're all telling him, Thomas, you wouldn't believe it. Guess who showed up? I don't believe it. And then he comes and he walks in there and Thomas is there. And it's like, Thomas, you can believe now. And then he says this. He says, you've seen, you're blessed, but 
More blessed are those who don't see yet believe. That's us for the most part. Forty days with many infallible proofs, the Bible says, he keeps on appearing to them unexpectedly. He's walking with uh, these guys are on a road to Emmaus. They're discussing what's happened. Pop, here I am. He's talking with them. Their hearts start to burn within them because he is the living word of God. And then he's gone. And they're like, well, who is that? What happened? Didn't our hearts just burn within us? But after 40 days, he's told them, now I want you to wait in Jerusalem until the promise, what's been promised to you, comes upon you. And that promise in Acts chapter 1, he talks about that. He says, because you have been baptized, but now you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and in power. And when the Spirit of God comes upon you, he says in Acts 1.8, he says, you will receive power. I can't even say power without power, not power. You will receive, you will, not, not maybe, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He's been with you, but now he's going to be in you, and you will receive power, and you will be my witnesses. Now, that word witness there is the word martyr. It means that your whole life is going to be a witness you can witness, as in tell people or win an argument or argue your way you know, into a conversation about theology or, well, I don't know about tongues today and I don't know about this today and blah, 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 blah. Well, you can do all that, argue, argue. This isn't what he was talking about here. He wasn't talking about witnessing. There's groups of people knocking your door that are called witnesses. You don't need any power to win an argument or just to argue with people. But to be the witness, in other words, to be what other people are witnessing. We had a beautiful time of prayer this morning, led by one of our young people, Bianca, beautiful. She's, she talked about the light, being the light. That we are to be the light of the world. When you light up, a city on a hill can't be hidden. Don't be under a bushel. Be the light. When you are the light of the world, you become a witness. You become what other people are witnessing. Not an argument. Not an arguer. Pentecost is amazing because when Jesus finally, he promises all of this, and they're in this upper room, and I think the first miracle of Pentecost is that they were all together in one accord, it says in the Old Testament, uh, in the King James Version. They were all together in one accord. If God could ever get his church all together in one accord, well, look out. I say this kind of like um, uh, metaphorically, that it's like herding cats. Being a pastor is like herding cats. <laughs> They're all over the place. You know, come on, kid. Like, dogs, come on, boy. Here they are. Cats, <laughs> everywhere. The first miracle of Pentecost, and we're going to go to Acts chapter 2 in a minute, but is they were all together. <laughs> They weren't off arguing theology, debating, dividing, doing all that kind of stuff. They all got together in one place, in one accord. And that's what, that was the prerequisite for God to pour out his spirit. Now, for 40 days again, he's popping in and out of their world. He's appearing to them. He's doing miracles. He's eating with them. It's an amazing thing. But then there's about 10 days after that now because... 
It's on the 50th day. Again, Pentecost means 50. It's on that 50th day that the promise, what he talked about, was going to happen. How aware were they of the significance of 50? And he said in a few days, he said, this is going to happen, so just go there and wait. I'd like to be, I, I would love to have been a fly on the wall in that room, except the, the sound and the, everything else would have blown me off the wall if I was a fly. But uh, if, uh, you know, if you could have heard their conversation, it would have been pretty interesting. I wonder how long. It, it is the, it's the Feast of Pentecost, after all. Something significant is probably going to happen at the end of 50 days. Maybe, maybe that's when he's going to appear. Oh, no, I don't think so. We, we need to be here. We need to dig in for the long run. There would have been some good conversations going on in that upper room, but not enough to divide, not enough for them to argue about it, but they certainly would have been wondering about it. When is this going to happen? Now, these feasts, the seven feasts that Israel celebrated, they, were, uh, they punctuated mainly the springtime and the autumn of the year. And they were all based around agriculture, virtually, uh, well, certainly two of them were anyway. One of them, booths or tabernacles, is when they lived in tents to just symbolize or to remember coming out of Egypt, how they were in the, in the wilderness. Another one, trumpets. Oh, I love that one. Trumpets are going to sound. Gabriel's got his trumpet ready, man. He is, he is about to just, everything's going to shake on that day when the trumpet sounds and the king is coming back. I mean, whoa, baby, look out. I think about tabernacles again, and I think that when, when uh, Jesus came into the world, the Son of God was born, and, and the word Emmanuel, we celebrate Christmas at that time. Emmanuel means what? God with us. He tabernacled with us. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and he dwelt among us. That word dwelt is that same word, that he was there in our world, God God in a tent, a, a, a body, and he, he, was, he was one of us. Then he went away. And now it's Pentecost. What Pentecost symbolizes, most people don't know. They, people are focused on manifestations. They're fixated with power. They're fixated with manifestations. And they forget the purpose. That manifestation has meaning. There's incredible meaning in manifestation. When the day of Pentecost had fully come in Acts chapter 2, and they were all together in one accord, in one place, there came a sound from heaven like a, a mighty wind. Not, not wind didn't fill the room, but the sound as of a mighty wind. I would say it this way, like the blowing of God's big trumpet blast. It filled the room, and there appeared unto them Tongues, cloven tongues in the old King James, flickering flames that looked like kind of like a, a, a tongue of fire that manifested itself and, and one appeared on each of them. And then they began to do something that was amazing. They began to speak in tongues of the different languages of all the people that had gathered for that feast of Pentecost. Now reading the commentary on this, one of the, uh, well, probably the most famous 
Hebrew historian Josephus, he writes about the population, the census that they took uh, to give to Nero uh, on the uh, Passover feast when they gathered together. That was a big one, Passover. So that's 50 days before this. And, and there were over 2 million people that were there crammed into that city of Jerusalem for Passover. There is no record that they had about the population when it comes 50 days later for Pentecost. But conservatively, it would have been 200 and something thousand people, but probably more upwards because it was a, a required feast as well, that there would have been probably uh, some, something in the millions of people crowded into that city. And when this sound was heard, and, and the 120, they just got a deluge. They got baptized. The, the Spirit of God was poured out. When that happened, it spilled out because you cannot pour something out or fill something. If you can put more into it, it's not full. It's not full until it's overflowing. And so the Spirit of God overflowed into the city and the streets of Jerusalem where there was gathered there people from every nation, it says, under earth. You had Cappadocians. You had people from Mesopotamia there. You had people from, from Rome. You had people from Egypt, from Cyrene, from Pamphylia, from uh, Pergamos. You had people from all over the world. These Jews from every corner had come and even Gentiles that were converted into Judaism. They're all out there. And out of this upper room just pours out the Spirit of God. And each of them, each of these individuals and crowds of people gathered in clusters based around nationality and culture, Medes and Elamites, it says, people from Mesopotamia, they're all, they're all out on the street there. They're, they're there gathered for this giant feast to celebrate the beginning of the wheat harvest now, 50 days after the barley harvest. So they're celebrating this, the fact that now it's the start of, of the wheat harvest. They want the wheat harvest to be blessed because they don't eat. If, the wheat, if there's no harvest, they're going to starve, seriously. Today, we just go to the supermarket, groceries, pull whatever we want off the shelf. We don't have to think about, gee, if the farmer has a bad year, if they have a bad year here, they source it from somebody else that's not having a bad year, and they grow stuff hydroponically, and there's, you know, there's always a way. But you had a bad year, you had drought there, you, you, you had a big, big problem. The first fruits for the beginning of the barley harvest, 50 days previous to that, the priest would weigh the shock of barley and pronounce a blessing over it, and they would sing out some of the psalms. And the, and, and the, the, the whole premise of that was that the history of the first, if the first is blessed, then all the rest of the harvest is, is blessed. The history of the first becomes the history of all the rest. That's, that's first fruits. Jesus, it says, is what? Our first fruits. But now 40 days later, this is different now. This is the start of the wheat harvest. 40 days later, we got we've got Pentecost, 50, 50 days rather, 50, get my, not 40, take that out. <laughs> what were they thinking? How does this fit together with what we just experienced? When you think about all the crowds that were gathered there, 
I want you to think about one thing, and it's representative of you and me in the Bible. It's called wheat. God's going to separate one day, it says, the wheat from the chaff. He's going to gather all the wheat into the barn. When he talks about wheat, he's talking about believers. He's talking about Christ's followers. He's talking about you and I. The first Pentecost, what it was really about was wheat. Oh, there were manifestations for sure, but don't focus on those. Manifestations have meaning. People have began to, not began, they've been referring to Pentecostals as nutters, you know, hanging from the chandeliers and doing all this weird stuff. And I, and I just got to say, well, if you're not Pentecostal, what are you? Because it's about the wheat harvest. It's about people coming to faith. And all these people, these crowds of people from all these different nations, what they actually heard was their language being spoken by these people that didn't speak their language. They said, are they not all Galileans? Well, why, how did they learn Cappadocia? How did they learn to speak like a Mesopotamian? How, how did they learn to speak like a Libyan from North Africa? How, how did they learn how to speak even in our own dialect, dialecto? How did they even know how to do all of that? This is truly a miracle. But what they heard in their own language was the wonderful works of God. Yeah. What people need to hear out of your mouth and my mouth in their language is the wonderful works right. of God. The word gospel means good news. God didn't send his son into the world to win an argument. He didn't send an argument into the world. He sent his son into the world that the world through him might become saved. He sent his spirit into the world so that he could bring his body home with him so he could begin now to bring in all of the wheat, all of those who believe. That's good. Now the significance of this historically points back to a day when Moses was up on Mount Sinai, and it's in uh, Exodus chapter 19. Let's just read that, because I think that you'll see something here that's absolutely amazing. Again, Pentecost means the gathering of the wheat. They were amazed and perplexed, and, and uh, says they made fun of them, and uh, they asked, what does this mean? That's in Acts chapter 2. And then we go to Peter. He, he explains what happened in, in, in Acts chapter 2 as well. I'm not even going to go there um, just for the sake of time. But if you could go back historically to Exodus chapter 19, which is about 1,600 years before the day of Pentecost, something amazing happened that the language paints a very similar picture to what happened on the day of Pentecost. It's like, where did we read about this before? Where had we seen this happen before, this, the, 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 the blast of a loud noise and fire and all of these things? And it's in Exodus chapter 19, 16 to 19. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountains. So in other words, there's a, a high place here that Moses goes up. And a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. That's, that's all these people that are down 
the bottom of Mount Sinai, they hear this sound <laughs> like a mighty rushing wind coming out of like a trumpet blast. Oh, like I said, I cannot wait to hear what Gabriel's going to play, but it's going to be loud. You think the subs in some churches, the, the bass bins, and up, you know, make your, your pants vibrate. Like, that's going to go, whoa! A very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Verse 17, then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. They were not allowed to go up. Verse 18, Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in, come on, everybody say, fire! Is that all you can do? Fire! The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently. Imagine Moses up there like rocks are falling and he's hanging on for dear life. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, that was only the start. They're trembling at the bottom of it. Now, he's up there in the thick of this thing. There's smoke and there's fire everywhere. And this, this sound louder and louder. And Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. You know, it's an amazing thing because Moses received the law, the law of the Ten Commandments. Every nation... It's not a nation until it has its own law, its own set of rules. And that's really what that's all about from that point on, which a lot of critics, they get stuck into it. You know, God says this. And God, it was their law, guys. Somebody thousands of years later looks back at what the laws that we got for social distancing and wearing masks and people not allowed to come back into the country. They'd say, what a, what a bunch of draconian, you know, huh, 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 what, what are these people? They're, they're, they're just like... That's terrible. Well, put it in context. you got to put everything in its historical context. And so they receive their law. And what actually happened back then is they became a nation. Israel became, officially, became a nation 1,600 years previous to that. Now get ready for this because I... Pentecost is more than what you think it is. On the day of Pentecost, when the, the Spirit of God was poured out and, and, and Joel's prophecy was fulfilled, the Spirit of God was poured out upon all flesh. It wasn't just chasing God around the seas of, shores of Galilee, hoping to come in uh, pro close proximity to him. He's gone. Jesus is gone. He dwelt among men. He paid the price on the cross. He rose from the dead. He's out of here now. He's at the right hand of the Father on high. Where is God? Well, God is right there, poured out, descending upon that mountain, just like he did in Exodus now. Only now, he's done something amazing. He's not just Emmanuel, God, with us or with them. He's now Holy Spirit, God, in us. Paul said this, he said, this is the mystery which, which was hidden before the ages of the world, that mystery, mysterion in the Greek language, that mystery is Christ. Christ is the word. It's not his last name. Christ is the spirit of God, the anointing of God. Christ in you, the hope of your glory, of you being a witness in this world so that people would look at you and go, there has to be a God because look at them. Yeah. 
Not listen to their argument, they're so eloquent, or they get so angry. The witness is the light coming out, the glory of God, God shining forth that's on the inside that comes out of you because of who it is that lives in you. So Israel became a physical nation way back there with Moses in, in the giving of the law. But listen to this in, in 1 Peter. Listen to this. 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his glorious light. There was a physical nation that was born way back then when the law was given, but now there is a spiritual nation that is born on the day of Pentecost. The church was born. The spiritual nation of God was born. If you're not Pentecostal, what are you? I think about where we'd be without Pentecost. <laughs> He's in heaven. God Father, God Son, God Spirit. If Spirit didn't come, wow. we're orphaned. We've got a Father, but He's not present in our life. We were born again, but we've got nobody to guide us. The Holy Spirit's called to guide. We were born again. He paid the price, but then he left us here. What kind of father abandons their kids? Seriously? <laughs> what Pentecost means? You're not orphaned. He's with you. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, not even until the ends of the earth. I'm not just with you now. I am in you. Everywhere that you go, every situation that you are facing right now or that you will ever face, you don't face it by yourself. You face it with almighty God on the inside of you, looking out of those eyes, the eyes of the window to the Spirit. You are looking out and you are speaking forth Power because you can prophesy now. Power because you've been, been given a, a new vocabulary, a new tongue. Power because you can do the stuff now. Oh, God is so good. I'm so thankful for Pentecost that God didn't leave me alone with an argument. I am so tired of just churchianity where people are just arguing and, and, and they've got formulas and, and everything else. And I think, no, 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 no. Why don't you just get filled with the Holy Spirit and walk through the earth? God gave you His Holy Spirit when you're born again. Definitely, you got a brand new creation, but you're not full until you are overflowing. And this world desperately needs somebody to spill out the love of God and the power of God into society and to change atmospheres and change the world. Yeah. It's not going to happen by keeping the wine in the wineskin. The power of God's meant to flow. The power of God's meant to be poured out. Pentecostal people, if you're taking notes, number one, we are people of the presence of God. We carry the presence of God. I think sometimes we don't act like it because we don't acknowledge who, who it is on the inside of us. One of the biggest mistakes that people make is to separate themselves from God. 
I'm talking about people that are born again from on high. As Jesus says, you know, to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born from on high, Nicodemus. You're religious. You got the arguments. You got all the little doodad things, the robe and all that. But you must be born again. The day that you separate yourself from, from God in your thinking is the day that you are rendered powerless in this world. You are uh, nothing more than a doormat. A salt that's lost its savor, what good is it? A light that's hid, what good is it? I, I really encourage you to restamp your spiritual passport, so to speak, and, and realize and read the New Testament, read the letters of Paul, read what the Bible says, that you are ambassadors from Christ. You are not of this world. You're in the world, but you are a citizen of the highest kingdom ever. And you walk through this earth, pull your shoulders back, ambassadors, because you represent him. You have delegated authority in this world. Authority what? To use the name which is above every name, that at that name, Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Devils tremble because of that. Yet we're walking around with the Holy Spirit resident, but not allowed to come out and to say anything. We've got cancel culture going on. We've got all this stuff. I'm not talking about being impolite and being an impolite imbecile. I'm not talking, but, but when God speaks through you, oh man, there's power. Your hands are healing hands. There's power to lay hands on, on sick people. There's power for you to impart the Holy Spirit. There's power, but the power that's in you has to come out. The presence of God that's in you, he wants to invade atmospheres of unbelief and, and negativity. Uh, somebody said once that a person with an experience is never at the mercy of somebody with an argument. I don't argue about any of this stuff. I know my Bible. But it's not meant to be wielded as a sword to fight and kill people with. It's a two-edged sword to cut into the heart and to do surgery so that unbelief and everything else can be cut out. It's, it's, it's there not to kill people, that sword, but it's there to pierce their hearts. The Holy Spirit will convict people of judgment, and, and he'll convict people of their need to get saved. Your mouth is very powerful, the presence of God. Second thing, Pentecostal people. If you're taking notes, are powerful people. I've already touched on that a lot, but there's something about the power to be a witness, what people are witnessing. When you're a believer, it starts on the inside out. Now, I'm from Detroit. Somebody was asking me earlier, where are you from? And I'm from Detroit. Detroit, pretty well known for two things, Motown music and you know, like Aretha Franklin and a whole lot of bands coming out of Detroit, and muscle cars. <laughs> and I grew up the 60s and the 70s in Detroit, two of the, the greatest times when it came to the muscle cars. We had Chevelle SSs. We had Barracudas. Some of you don't even know what these cars are. <laughs> had, my friend had a Pontiac GTO, otherwise called a GOAT. Corvettes, Shelby Mustangs, 
Camaros, all tricked out. I mean, these cars were powerful. When they would rev, you would hear it. And, and, and some of these cars were so fast. And one of, one of the fun things that, that my friends did for sport was just to go cruising Detroit. Just go cruising around. Hangout place was McDonald's. Gonna go to Macca's. Girls were at Macca's. Everybody needed at Macca's. It's full of muscle cars. And then cruising the streets of Detroit, drag racing. I know today there's hoons and hooligans and all that, and they're dangerous, and I'm not, I'm not advocating that. I'm just telling you how I grew up. It was power. But we had a few little sayings there that I think apply to somewhat of our Christianity. One of them was all show and no go. It meant the car looked the part, but it didn't behave like the part. I mean, when you put your foot down, it didn't really perform according to how it looked. Another one, quite the opposite of that, was something we called a sleeper. <sighs> and I'll never forget, uh, one time somebody pulled up in one of those, those mini miners, but they'd taken the back seat out and moved the front seat clear back and put a V8 in the thing or whatever that engine was. It was massive. And I was cruising with my friend that had the Pontiac GTO, which, which uh, had you know, under, just under 500 uh, brake ho horsepower. It was like it was fast. <laughs> had posi traction. It was, you know, it was amazing. It had thrush exhaust, thrush exhaust. It had uh, hemispherical heads put into it if you're a rev head. And, and amazing car. And this little car pulls up next to us at the lights. And it's like, come on, we're on. I looked at it, I said, you're not going to race that. He goes, no, I'm not. I said, yeah, because we'd just blow it away. And he goes, no, we wouldn't. It would blow us away. I'm like, what do you mean? It's a little British car. We're from Detroit. Come on. Like, really? That little thing? He goes, yeah, do you realize what that little thing is? It's a sleeper. It means it doesn't look like anything. But baby, <laughs> we would lose our money because there was always you know, money involved. He just, he's just waiting. He's purposely not even fixed the outside of the car up to make it look like anything, because he's trolling. He's just looking for people that want to lose their money looking at that little car. <laughs> and some of God's people are sleepers. We don't look like much on the outside. You don't have to look like much on the outside. In fact, often, if you look like much on the outside, you are all show and no go. A lot of churches are all show and no go. There's nothing underneath the bonnet. The thing about every muscle car is it was built in the garage and it raced on the street. God builds us on the inside so that we can get out into the street and do the stuff. We are not there to display it as in a prideful manner and, and, and boast about all of this stuff and all of these manifestations. It's all under the bonnet or under the, the hood, but it's meant for us to have power when we go out there, when we need it, when we need to put the foot down. We got that power. It's going to happen. It's all in the heart. And the final thing I'm going to give you in closing, to, uh, and we'll get the team to come back up because we're going to uh, have some time here. <laughs> we had some time before the preaching. We're going to have some time after the preaching. 
to just get some stuff built up on the inside of us, the people that are here, you're in for a blessing. We're going to have a time here. We're Pentecostal. The third thing is Pentecostal people are go anywhere to reach any one people. We will go anywhere to reach any one. Pentecost is the beginning of the wheat harvest. It's the beginning of souls coming into the kingdom of God. Peter got up and he preached and uh, 3,000 people came into the kingdom. 3,000 people were saved on the day of Pentecost. What is that? That's the beginning of the wheat harvest. The spiritual nation was born. Then he gets up a, a, a lame guy who's, who's put at the gate beautiful. He, he, he gets saved in, in Acts chapter 3. And 5,000 men only, got, there were more, more than just the men, but the, they counted the men. They were chauvinists back then. Anyway, uh, 5,000 men get saved. So there would have been a whole bunch of other people, probably at least double that number, that got saved just from that man getting healed because of the power of Pentecost. They said, shut up. Don't ever speak that name again. They threw him in prison. More people getting saved. Jailers getting saved. Prison shaking. Things going on because there's power. Because there's presence. Because God's people will go anywhere to reach anyone because the wheat has to come in. Well, I don't know the word quit. There's a whole lot more that we could be unpacking right now when it comes to Pentecost. I like to study words, and I was looking up, I looked up Christianity. thought, Christianity? Where does that come from, really? The word Christian came in Antioch. They were mocking them, actually. It wasn't an endearing thing. It was a mockery. They're, they're little Christ followers. They're Christians. Christianity, Christ, and Anity. Anity means this. When it's put next to a noun, it means it takes that noun from the singular to the plural. In other words, it means a whole lot of whatever the noun is. Hum, human, humanity, a lot of humans, all of us. Christianity means not just one Christ abiding by himself, unless a seed goes into the ground and dies and abides alone. But! thank goodness it rose from the dead there was a first and now there's a many and Christ does not allow we are the body of Christ we are his bride if he did not pour out his spirit we would just be we wouldn't be Christianity we, he would be he wouldn't have, he would be not married to anybody be single because we're his bride it's a whole lot of us now that's why Pentecost this is an amazing amazing thing to get a hold of Hallelujah. it's an amazing celebration this is not a bunch of weird people swinging from chandeliers and some you know unknown tongues going on that's all part of it i get it we don't have any chandeliers but you know there's power so firstly i'm going to pray for you and if you're listening online and you don't know jesus you need to be born again from on high so i've got two prayers for us one of them is that you could ask Jesus Christ into your heart. He'll give you a brand new spirit through his Holy Spirit. And then secondly, he wants to fill you to overflowing. 
Bible says, be filled. Don't be drunk on wine, Ephesians, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another, singing in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's, it's an outflow. Unknown tongues is another thing that's amazing. In the book of Acts, you know, when they got filled, it was almost always they spoke in an unknown tongue, unknown to the person doing the speaking. Jude 20, it says that there's only one chapter in Jude, but, it, but, but Jude says this, that, you know, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Yet in the church service, in the assembly, I'd rather that you prophesy because if you speak in an unknown tongue, nobody understands you unless it's interpreted. He wasn't saying don't do it. He's just saying it doesn't do anybody any good if you just go off in your tongue unless it's interpreted. I'd rather you pray when there's a bunch of you. But I thank God that I speak in tongues. This is Paul, the apostle that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you because he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies themselves. They build themselves up. Oh, that's a big part of Pentecost, but it's not the only part. There's a whole world for you to discover. So we're going to pray for you to ask Jesus into your heart. Then I'm going to ask that God would baptize you wherever you're at, whether you're here or watching online, whether you're watching live or watching this recorded message. Either way, before uh, we pray for, for you to get saved, uh, I want to just give you a bit of instruction that Number one, how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? Number one, ask. And the person that asks of God and says must believe that they receive. So when you ask, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit, you're asking your Heavenly Father, and, and he says in Luke, if, if you ask uh, for bread, am I going to give you a stone? If you ask for a fish, am I going to give you a, 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 a snake? If you ask for an egg, something that gives life, these all give life. Am I going to give you something, death? Am I going to give you a, a scorpion? No. How much more, he said, Jesus says, will your Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? So I want you to ask. Then believe that you receive. And then speak out whatever's down in here. Just speak it out. Preferably not, not your own language. And you can speak in an unknown tongue. It's just that simple beautiful but remember this you do the speaking God doesn't speak for you you have to speak they that speak in an unknown tongue speak mysteries it says unto men albeit unto God they're speaking mysteries but you've got to do the speaking so I'm going to pray two prayers number one give you a chance to ask Jesus to come into your heart recreate you number two to ask God to fill you with this Holy Spirit. So we're going to stay online until I'm finished with this because I really, really believe there are people listening here and there that can be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I'd like everybody here to stand. Thank you. Let's all participate in this. If you're listening listening online, you can relax, keep stay seated if you want, or you can stand up either way. But I want us all to pray this out loud. This is firstly to ask Jesus Christ into our hearts. Say, Dear God, I thank you for sending your only Son 
into my life. Jesus, I give you my heart. Now, if you prayed that and you meant that prayer, he answered that prayer. You've given him your heart. You are a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. You're at the start of an incredible journey called discipleship. And I would love if you're here to get you started with the Bible out in the foyer. We've got people here uh, that are part of Connect Groups, any of the team on the platform here, myself. We will give you free, uh, get you started, uh, study guides and things so you can get into the Bible and understand they give you a free Bible and get you started. Now, if you prayed that prayer now or you prayed it years ago, either way, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, this is your chance. Remember, ask in faith, believe that you receive, and then out of your innermost being will start to flow. So if that's you and you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit right now, just pray this prayer with me. And at the end of me praying, just no more English. Let whatever in your heart come out. It might be a cry, a noise, a sound, whatever it is. But have a brain bypass. Not a heart bypass, a brain bypass. Your brain will fight you all the time and try to stop up the well that's in your heart. It will try to stop that up. Do not let that. So I hope if you're alone in your house or you're in a, a room somewhere by yourself, I really encourage you to get by yourself because whatever's going to come out, it's going to probably, your brain's going to go, what is that? Other people might not, you know, like it or whatever, but the cry of your heart needs to come out. And you will get past just your known language and words that really don't express really what's on your heart. You'll get right to where your heart just cries out to God. And you can be filled and speak in an unknown tongue, and you'll find power in that. When you have this, you're not filled with tongues, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. But when you have that manifestation, your tongue will become more powerful. You'll notice that you can start to interpret what you're saying. You can start to prophesy. Paul said, I especially uh, want you to desire to prophesy and to speak out into your world the power of God. So we're all going to say this together. We're going to worship with this song uh, right now. And, uh, and I'm going to pray. Father. I thank you right now. You can say this after me. Father, I thank you right now for baptizing me in the Holy Spirit. I will receive now. Amen. Okay, well, start to pray in the Holy Spirit if you're here. Thanks, guys. We'll just uh, lift the lid right now with worship. Thank you for coming online. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.